morning, everyone. Uh, God bless you. So before we start today, I always like to start with a little bit of a story. Are there any golfers in the audience? A little bit. Oh, we do have a couple golfers. So when I was a teenager, I actually worked at Van Patten Golf Course. Um, I actually was whipping greens and changing cups. And then they realized that I was 16 years old and I was strong enough to carry 90-pound uh, shingles, bags of shingles, on the roof. And we actually had to shingle the roof of um, their barns and all these other things. I don't play golf today, um, but I, I do have a fun golf story. So there is uh, this famous golfer, and I know that in the golf world we have you know, the PGA and Live Golf and all these things happening right now. Um, but we're just going to say that this golfer that ends up winning the Masters is invited to go to Saudi Arabia, where the king of Saudi Arabia has built his own golf course, and he wants to be tutored actually by the best golfer in the world. And so needless to say, he has his people reach out to this golfer, and this golfer agrees to go tutor the king of Saudi Arabia. A private jet gets flown over to the United States and actually picks up the golfer, and for two weeks, he hangs out in Saudi Arabia on the king's golf course. He's teaching him how to putt. He's teaching him how to chip. He's teaching him how to drive, how to read the angles of his golf course. And for two weeks, he hangs out in the palace, and he hangs out with the king of Saudi Arabia. And at the end of the two weeks, he's saying goodbye. And the king says to him, I would like to give you a gift to remember my country. To spend, because you spent time with me, I'm giving you a gift. And the golfer says, oh, no, thank you. I, I spent these two wonderful weeks with you. I, I don't need anything. And seeing that the king is adamant, he's like, oh, no, you need a gift. And so the golfer says, you know what? I collect old golf clubs. I would like a golf club. And so he gets on the plane. They say their goodbyes. Gets on the plane. And as he's on the plane, he's like, I am going to get a solid gold golf club covered in rubies and diamonds by the king of Saudi Arabia. A few weeks go by, no gift shows up. A few months go by, no gift shows up. And now he starts thinking he offended the king for even asking for something. And then he gets an email notification. He's told he has to meet at this lawyer's office such and such a date at such and such a time because the king has requested his presence. So he shows up. The king's not there. Just a bunch of lawyers. He opens up a briefcase. Throw out all of these papers out here. And it's not a golf club. But rather, the king of Saudi Arabia made it his mission to purchase a 500-acre golf course on the coast of California because he didn't think a golf club was a good enough gift. He felt that a golf course was a good enough gift. Can you imagine if we put our mindset as a king and we now thought of ourselves in such a high regard that we no longer want the golf club, but we want the golf course, our God wants us to have this perspective and understand that he loves us so much that he is wanting us to have the perspective of the golf course. And today, 
we are going to talk about a king. But we're not going to talk about the king of Saudi Arabia, but rather we're going to talk about David. And David was a king. The word of God actually says that David is a man after God's own heart and appointed him to be the ruler of his people. Many of us are very familiar with David and Goliath and these type of stories. But we have to remember that David was a very young teenager when God appointed him to be the king. Before we start, let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we love you and we praise you. We ask you, Father God, to open up our hearts and our minds to today's teaching and that you inspire us through your steadfast love, your loving kindness, and your unchanging love. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. So today, our teaching is going to be about God's steadfast love, his loving kindness, and unchanging love. So I tend to go off script quite a bit, and so I wrote notes down, and I am following them today. So I apologize if I am reading sometimes, but I'll be looking up, talking with you as well. So I really believe that the Word of God is the will of God. And from the original Greek text, we look at the King James Version and many different versions of the Bible and translations. But the Hebrew word chaste in some Bibles is translated loving kindness. And in other versions, it's translated as steadfast love. And in Micah, verse 7, 18, and 20, chaste was used and translated unchanging love. Loving kindness, steadfast love, unchanged love, combined provides a very good definition of God's love for us. Do you agree? Now, in the book of Psalms, Chase is used more in half of the 251 occurrences in the Bible. And following are the beginning verses that we're going to talk about today in Psalms. But to gain the full appreciation in looking at these Psalms that we're going to be mentioning today about his steadfast love, his loving kindness, and his unchanged love, I was taught as a young man by Reverend J. Klein that God's proper name is Yahweh. And so in today's teaching sometime today, you'll hear me transfer God to Yahweh because God's proper name, I believe, is Yahweh. So let us look at Psalms 5, verse 7 and 8. If you have a Bible app or if you have your Bible out, um, you can use that. And if not, we have verses that are up here. This is from the NIV. I do use the King James Version quite often, so you'll be hearing me read both. But I, by your great love, can come into your house in reverence and bow down towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. The King James Version says, But for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I enter your house. At your holy temple, I bow in reverence for you, O Lord. Lead me to your righteousness, because my foes make your way straight before me. You know, the psalm reveals that David was surrounded by his enemies. He was harassed on every single side. But because of our Lord, because of Yahweh and his steadfast love, David finds refuge in God. 
in his presence is the fullness of joy and the safety from his foes. David is literally encompassed by his enemies right now. But instead of accepting the crushing feelings of defeat, David humbly worships God. And in Psalm 6-4, the King, the King James Version is a little bit different. It says, return, O Lord, Yahweh, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness. In turn, turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Do you see how these terms are interchangeable, right? Like unfailing love, loving kindness. So David is suffering. As a matter of fact, he is near death, and he is at his wit's end. And he turns to our God and cries out for help. Asking God to return to him implies that there was a sense of distance from him. There are times in our own personal lives that we may feel this distance from God. But when we pray, this, when we pray these prayers and we look at these psalms, Return to me, O Lord. Rescue my soul and save me. This is what David says. David believed that God would help because of his steadfast, unfailing love. And as Christians and spiritually minded people, understanding that God's intervention in our lives is not because we earned or deserve it but rather because of God's loving kindness, his steadfast and unchanging love. When I was a teenager, I was told that you could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for your entire life, and you could not earn the gift of God's love. It is because of God's loving kindness and his steadfast, unchanging love. In Psalm... 13, verse 5 and 6. But I will trust in your... David's saying this, right? What a beautiful psalm. But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, and I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And in the King James Version, I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation, and I will sing to Yahweh, because he has dealt bountifully with me. David, at this time, is in utter despair and feeling like God has forgot him. We are talking about God's chosen king, and he still feels this way from time to time. His sorrow is all day long, at this moment in his life, and he needs God's enlightenment or he will die. And he poured his heart out to God. But in the beginning, it was a little slight, like, not with negativity, but ends up being a godly perspective. And God can handle our sadnesses. God can handle our worries, and God can handle our complaints. David is not leveling accusa accusations against Yahweh, against God as Israel once did in the wilderness. But rather, he is telling God how he feels and comes to God for help, 
not to criticize God. Why is this happening to me, God? Why is this? No, no. Just like David, we too can come to God and trust Yahweh's steadfast love and his merciful, loving kindness. I truly believe that if our perspective about God is knowing his loving kindness, then we can give our worries to him. And in Psalm 17, verse 6 and 8, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love. You, have, you who have saved by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye and hide me in the shadows of your wings. And in the Psalm, in the King James Version, I have called upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Wondrously show your loving kindness, O Savior. For those who take refuge at your right hand, for those who rise up against them, keep me as the apple of your eye and hide me in the shadows of your wings. When I first heard the verse, the apple of your eye, I was in Silver Bay a long time ago, and in, I realized how precious I was to God because God calls us the apple of his eye. Look at the reference that God gives us. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. We have a, a, a flower basket hanging in our, um, on our front porch. And um, we have a bird's nest that's actually in that little flower basket. And every day, like, we, we have to water the baskets. They look pretty dead right now. I'm sorry. We're not. We, 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 anyway. But this, this one flower basket, once I put the water in one time, all of a sudden, bird flies out. And I was like, oh, kind of scared me a little bit. But then I realized that she has some eggs in there. And I am pouring water on top of it. And she is literally opening up her wings and letting the water just hit her to protect her eggs. And she is getting doused with all this water. But no matter what, she kept her wings like that. And then I realized, wait a minute, I can't see her, but I know that's what she's doing. I'm not going to water this plant anymore. I'm going to make sure that it stays okay, right? We're talking about God's word right now. And David is saying, hide me in the shadows of your wings. How big is the shadow of God's wings protecting us on a daily basis? I, when I first heard this verse, I needed God. I needed him in my life. I need him in my life today. Today, we would actually use the phrase, the apple of our eye, as the pupil of our eye, right? Our eyes are guarded by automatic responses and reflexes, just as the mother bird protects her chicks under her wings. God watches over and protects his people. And what a great visual knowing how God watches over us. David's faith and assurance in his God were strong because he was living the right way. He did not doubt God's steadfast love or concern for him. The way he spoke to God is inspiring and a great example on how we should pray. Look at what he is saying to God. Look at what David is asking God to do for him. 
There are so many godly inspired psalms that David wrote. And we see a man with a wide range of thoughts, feelings, faith, emotions, and doubts. He had a life filled with diverse experiences and at different stages of his life, he cultivated a variety of responses. David's ability to honestly communicate to God his thoughts were masterfully articulated in many of these psalms. But through it all, he always ended up worshiping God, the God that he loves, even when he was sick, depressed, overwhelmed. I think in David, we can see a great example of how we should follow God through life's battles, through our own battles. In Psalm 18, verse 49 and 50, Therefore, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great, victory, great victories. David, great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. King James Version reads, Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, O Yahweh, and I will sing praises to your name. He gives great deliverance to his king and shows loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Psalm 18 is filled with praise for Yahweh. And it reveals how God fights for us, his children, how God was fighting for David. David boldly proclaims his praise and gratitude for everyone to hear. I am unapologetically Christian. I am unapologetically in love with my God. The guys I ride bikes with, they know that I love God. My employees, I don't preach about God at my office, but they know that I love God. David boldly proclaims his praise and gratitude for everyone to hear. I am not ashamed to be a Christian. I am proud of it. And I hope you are too. The joy we experience from God's deliverance is only trumped by the knowledge that the manifestation of God's steadfast love for us. I am so thankful to receive the blessings from God. And even more so that God has chosen me and that we are the apple of God's eye. That he has chosen us to give these blessings to and that we, as well as David, are his anointed. In Psalm 21, verse 6 and 7. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and have made him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord through the unfailing love of the Most High. He will not be shaken. And the King James Version reads, for you, Yahweh, make him, David, the most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness in your presence. For the king trusts in Yahweh, and through the loving kindness for the Most High, he will not be shaken. You know, <laughs> David is reflecting on all the good things that God did for him and has inspired him 
with gratitude, confidence, and faith. When we set our hearts on the goodness of God and his many blessings, we will enjoy the same response that David is enjoying right now. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But unfortunately, we get caught up in the business of life and the whirlwind of negativity, and we see it, and it contaminates our thoughts. We watch the news 24-7. We see different things that go on, things that we really can't control. And unfortunately, that negativity bombards us on a regular basis. But let us look at this verse once again. Joyful with gladness in your presence. Joyful with gladness in your presence. In God's presence, we are filled with joy. Sounds so much better than the alternative though, right? Like we, we could get caught up in all the negativity that we see. But when we lock into God's word like David is doing, and we are joyful and glad in his presence. As we remain focused on the godliness, we trust that through Yahweh and his steadfast love, we will not be shaken. And in Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of your life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The ESV, the English Standard Version, and the King of Age Version translates the Hebrew word chaste as mercy. And the NAS uses loving kindness. Mercy is certainly connected with Yahweh's loving kindness. David's affirmation in this, pos in this popular and beloved psalm is an encouraging example for all of us to follow. We must continually declare and reaffirm spiritually, as Christians, the spiritual standing that keeps it central to our life. David wrote most of the Psalms, which tells me how often he looked and the time that he thought about God, that he communicated with God, that he talked with God. David is God's anointed king, and we are God's anointed. David has set an example of how we communicate, how we talk, and how we love our God. Read this verse, and, and, and I, I'm sorry to ask you, but may you all please read this verse out loud together. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Tears me up. It tears me up. Psalm 25, verse 5 through 8. Give me your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, O Lord, are good. Good 
and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. The King James Version reads, Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are God and my salvation. For I wait on you all the day. Remember, O Yahweh, your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is Yahweh. Therefore, he instructs the sinners in his way. The specific prayerful request by a humble, fragile, remorseful believer to his compassionate, loving, and kind God, recorded in Psalm 25, are needed for all of us who want to walk in the loving relationship with our Yahweh, with our God. Asking God to remember his own intrinsic values, which is compassionate and loving, and not to remember the sins and transgressions, seems unusual, right? But it is so desirable. I am not the same person that I was 20 years ago. I am a different person. And the things that I might have done 20 years ago, God is not remembering those things. God is living with me in the now. <laughs> Can you imagine? I want that too. It's so desirable. The symmetry in the next few Psalms is amazing. And you know what? It's obviously God-inspired, right? It's, it, David was inspired by God. In Psalm 25, verse 9 and 11, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands in his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, give my iniquity through it is great. Forgive my iniquity for his grave. In the, the King James Version, he leads the humble to justice and he teaches the humble his ways. All the paths of Yahweh are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenants and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Yahweh, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. You know, for your name's sake, O Lord, not for my sake or my merit's sake, but to glorify your mercy and to show forth the glory of your divine attributes. To pardon a great sinner, you bring great glory, and therefore thy name's sake, pardon me. This verse illustrates the logic of faith. It doesn't look at the merits of oneself or ourselves, but the goodness and the mercy of God. And instead of being overwhelmed by the demerits of sin, it looks at the steadfast love of our merciful and loving God and Father. Yahweh is loving kindness. It, his, his loving kindness never ceases. They are new in every morning. Yahweh's own description, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and who forgives the iniquity and transgressions of our sins. In Psalm 26, verse 1 through 3, I, I, I was inspired to share God's word with everyone today through biblical verses that chain together 
God's loving kindness, his unchanging love, and his steadfast love. When I was diving deep into God's word doing this, he continually broke my heart. I had tears coming down because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that David is helping us understand is the same God that loves us. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and I have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me and examine my heart. For I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and I have lived in the reliance of your faithfulness. The King James Version says, Yahweh, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in Yahweh without wavering. Examine me, O Yahweh, and try me. Test my mind and my heart for your loving kindness before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. Human history reveals the Bible and so many warnings to be aware of the deceptions that provides plenty of reasons to follow David's lead and invite God to examine and test our hearts and our minds. And we certainly need God's help and the Lord Jesus Christ's help to see these things that may be hidden in us. But at the time of David's request, he was in pretty good standing with God and confident that he was walking the right way. Other Psalms indicate that he also prayed this way when things were not so good and he doubted his relationship with God. And good or bad, every day, we can see the benefits from such requests. God does not forcefully intervene into our lives and violate our free will. We are responsible to ask for help with our faith. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have led a blameless life and I have trusted in the Lord and I have not faltered. In Psalm 31, verse 7 through 10, I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you see my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of my enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious face, spa place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress, and my eyes grow weak with sorrow, and my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. In the King James Version, I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my soul and you have not given me over to the hands of the enemy but have set my feet in a large place. Be gracious to me, O Yahweh, for I am in distress. My eyes is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity and my body has wasted away. And through all this grave turmoil, David is determined to rejoice and be glad in Yahweh's loving kindness. He did not stick his head in the sand and act like there were no problems, but rather he expressed his problems and feelings to God for help. And in this great psalm to focus on when we are suffering, 
in Psalm 31. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. The King James Version reads, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My time are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon me, your servant, and save me in your loving kindness. Can you imagine having a relationship with God so much so that you have the confidence to ask God to have his face shine upon you? David was a man of war with many battles that were fought throughout his life. And although being confronted with life-threatening physical peril that compelled him to seek Yahweh's help, by God's grace and mercy, thank God we don't have to deal with a life of war, but we still have battles and worries to deal with, and we can find the help the same way David did in our Heavenly Father. Yahweh's unchanging, steadfast love can be the stability and the confidence of our soul, especially when we're being besieged. In Psalm 31, Praise be the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in the city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I cried for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. The King James Version reads, Blessed be Yahweh, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I pray to you. Oh, love Yahweh and all you, his godly ones. Yahweh preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage for all you who hope in Yahweh. You know, in Psalm 31, it provides a glorious perspective for anyone who is in the middle of trouble. David's thoughts put into words about his God, about our God, will guide us. Words like refuge, deliver me, rescue me quickly, rock of my strength, stronghold of my life, my rock, my fortress, the stronghold who saves me. Lead me, guide me. You are my strength. I trust you. You are my God. The secret place of your presence are all examples that David is using about our God. In Psalm 32, many are the woes of the wicked, 
but the Lord's unfailing love surround the ones who trust in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous sing, all you who are upright in heart. The King James Version reads, Many of the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in Yahweh, his loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in Yahweh and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Loving kindness shall surround you. Those who practice wickedness produce many sorrows, right? While those who trust in Yahweh are glad, rejoice and shout for joy. The choice seems black and white. God's loving kindness surrounding us sounds pretty amazing. Psalm 33. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to the earth is full of his unfailing love. For the, word of the, for the word of Yahweh is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is filled with the loving kindness of Yahweh. If our eyes are open and seeking, we can actually see that the earth is filled with his loving kindness. Seriously, just look at the gardens. I mean, the air we breathe, the sun that is rising, it's all from God. But if our eyes are focused on the negativity of the world, then it's filled with darkness, and it stimulates unhealthy emotions and a stressful life. In Psalm 33, verse 18 through 22, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. Now, the word fear does not mean afraid. The word fear means respect. So the eyes of the Lord are on those who respect him, on those who hope in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive from phantom. We wait and hope in the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. Behold, the eyes of Yahweh are on those who fear him, those who hope in his loving kindness, to deliver their souls from death and to keep them alive from phantom. Our soul waits for Yahweh. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Yahweh, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. The patriarchs of our faith provide us with such shining examples on how to preserve, how to persevere in every situation that we encounter in our life. The steadfast love of God is always central to their success. A simple and always needful prayer closes in this psalm. Let your loving kindness, O Yahweh, be upon us according to as we have hope in you. And then finally, Psalm 36, verse 5 through 10. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountain and your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. Please, take, people, take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Your loving kindness, O Yahweh, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Your righteousness like mountains of God. Your judgment are like the deep. 
O Yahweh, you preserve man and beast. How precious in your loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them drink to the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. O continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright heart. In closing, David's inspired and picturesque words give us some appreciation of Yahweh and his distinct holy qualities, his limitless loving kindness, faithfulness, righteousness, and his judgments on how he preserves men and beasts. How precious is your loving kindness, O God? Because of God's loving kindness, we exist and our hope for eternity. May God bless you and keep you and your families.